Just to let you know, I, I've had a very interesting weekend. Um, I work for the YMCA as a chaplain in uh, that central Hertfordshire, and we had a, what we call a sleep easy. And basically what it meant is that I spent the night sleeping rough uh, for the homeless. And we did this over at Hatfield Galleria in the car park area. I have never done this before. I've done many things, but never slept out rough. And the idea is you, you get some cardboard and you build a little kind of bivouac, I suppose, with the best thing. And then you get in there with your sleeping bag and your bedroll and you sleep the night. Well, I didn't sleep. I don't know it's about Hatfield, but that particular area, you've got the, the lorries going past one side. You've got the nightclub over there that people are coming out of. You've got people going to get their McDonald's 24 hour. And as they go past, they have to say something. And you can, I didn't sleep a wink. So yesterday was, I was fragile to say the least. And I did relax, but it was a good experience because one of the things I, I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, thank you for double glazing. <laughs> you, you, you know, you, you go to your bed at night, you sleep and you just get in there. But I'll tell you, homeless people, they have to think about where they're going to sleep. And then, like me, I had the choice. I could choose to be there. They don't have the choice. In fact, <laughs> one of the homeless people that comes along to the, hot, to the space at Hatfield, that's run by the YMCA. <laughs> He's a funny old guy, Kevin. I met him and I walked into that space and he looked at me and he said, you're a preacher. I don't like preachers. So I looked at him, moment of truth there. I'm thinking, all right, I've got to connect with this guy. Am I going to do that? So I says, well, you've not met me, have you? I still don't like preachers. So I says to Kevin, I said, well, Kevin, if you were the only person on the planet and I, I hadn't met all the rest, then meeting you, I think everybody's pretty miserable. And he was like, <laughs> but after that, we broke the ice and uh, we you know, got to know him. I, I'm just trying to tell you something here that when you work where I do, you, you're meeting people and not on the other side of the tracks. They're just, just that little bit further out there. Not that far out. And let me just put it to you this way. What we found out is that most of us are two paychecks away from homelessness. Two paychecks away. That guy's just two paychecks away. We're just two paychecks away from that guy. He actually lives in the field somewhere in a tent. So we did that for the homeless and it was a good experience. And it's just good to meet people who are not where you're at. But the other thing it makes you do is very thank, be thankful for what you've already got. And every one of you in here, every one of us in here can be thankful for the fact when you go home, you can sleep in your bed tonight. But just remember that in Hertfordshire, there are people who will have to be thinking about where they're gonna to sleep tonight and how they're gonna stay dry. So, we now get into our message here at, on Mosaic Rethinking Community. And it's my privilege just to carry on from where Chris left off. Preached a tremendous message. If you didn't listen to it on the podcast, please get it. But one of the things he was talking about is how Jesus took the 70 and sent them out. And they hadn't got theological training. They didn't have all their life together. But God sent them out and he did signs and wonders and miracles through them. And what we're saying here is that community isn't just for us to be 
inclusive, introspective. It's about us going out. All of what God does in us is so that we can pass it on to others. I was talking to one lady uh, at the Hatfield, not Hatfield, Stevenish space, and you know, she was saying to me, well, you need to, I need to go somewhere where I can be fed. And I thought about it for a minute, and I thought, hold on a minute. What's happening here is that we think that church is about the people come. They already have lots of knowledge and ex- already, and we feed you, and you go out, and you do nothing with it. Then you come back and get more food. But actually, that's not what it's about. It's interfeed and out to minister. It's interfeed and out to serve. And we were reminded of that by Chris, that the community isn't just, it does not exist for itself. God has called us, he's given us a mission. Well, today I want to talk about one of the key distinctives of the Christian community, what we would call the church. It's the distinctive of love. And if you want to know a title to this message, it would be live in the love. Live in the love. It's a kind of a dentist kind of thing. I like that. Live in the love. Yeah? <laughs> now, prior to the service, um, I think Henry was saying to me, oh, so Dan's going to be the love doctor. I said, no, man, not that kind of love. <laughs> We're talking about the love that Jesus talks about here in John chapter 13. He said this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. So must you love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So the distinctive that the world sees is this distinctive of love as is expressed through the Christian community called the church. And I want to talk about that because you see, we need to know that love and we need to express that love. But the love that we've received, it's always to give away. So we're going to look at three things here. A love that's inclusive, a love that serves, and a love that never fails. So let's look at the love, first one. A love that's inclusive. Galatians 3.28, Paul said this, There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now I love this because you see, God is inclusive. He doesn't just love one particular ethnic group against another. And, you know, I come from North London. Like Jim and I, we're both Gooners. And we've been doing well over the last couple of weekends. <laughs> yeah. In the formal service, there was a friend of ours in here who's the director of uh, housing at uh, the YMCA called Jim and um, uh, Ron Dunning. He's a Tottenham supporter. However, that's between Jim and I. The important thing here is this, that whether you're an Arsenal supporter or whether you're a Tottenham supporter, whether you're black or white, I had to bring that in to get it back. (laughs) Whether you're rich or poor, God loves us. And here's the point. The church needs to be inclusive, but what actually happens is that the church tends to be made up of a certain demographic group profile of people. Now, okay, you know, I went to the uh, National Leaders Conference with Richard, as we do um, every January. And it was a great conference. And one of the speakers got up and talked about the fact that we need to have more cultural diversity within the, the vineyard, etc., etc. Then I, I looked around the auditorium, and I was like, where are the brothers? 
I couldn't see any in there. But, you know, they said, well, we need to have more cultural diversities. I thought, well, we've got a bit of work to do. Now, let me just say this by way of parenthesis. If you live in an area where 99.9% of the people are Caucasian, you can't just bus in people from a different ethnicity. Yes? So I need to say that by way of provisor. But one of the things that we're blessed with here at the vineyard is that we're having all different types of people come to the church. Different ethnicity, different backgrounds, and it's, it's refreshing. Now, Chris one day said to me, well, you might have something to do with that. I said, no, not all of it. But the fact is that we have black and white and Asian and all kind of people coming here. And my daughter, who uh, was here this morning and lives in London, was pointing out to me that that cultural diversity that we're beginning to see here isn't something that is actually seen in most of the churches that are in London, which I thought was interesting. But the fact is this, that God wants to draw us all in. And by the way, we're not interested either way in your social background or your social economic group, whether you're an A or AB, yeah, or a C or a C1. God's not looking at your income or your lack of it. You're all included. Or as John Wimber used to say, everybody gets the play. Everybody's included. So we need to be a people who, have an, who look at people not on the basis of what we see, but in terms of their heart. The church is challenged to be all-embracing in its love. We're not concerned about where you come from. The issue is, where are you going? <laughs> I used to often get happens, used to happen to me, I'd go along to a conference, you know, and the person would come up to me and say, are you from Africa? <laughs> you know? And I remember a good friend, Dennis Clark said, madam, it's not where he come, comes from, it's important, it's where he's going. <laughs> it's where I'm going, it's more important where I come from, yeah? And where people are going is the most important thing. We're not concerned, as I said, we're not concerned about that. But here's the question. How is this love demonstrated in the life of the community? How's it worked out? Well, here's some things for you. We're welcoming, we're open, we're honest, we're accepting, inclusive, and non-judgmental. We're friendly, relational, Caring, loving, genuine, and outward-looking. Let's unpack some of that. Welcoming. We work really hard here to be welcoming. And it's very easy, the longer you've been in church, to gravitate towards the people that you know. So when we come through the door, if you're new, we would want to meet you. We will seek you out like a heat-seeking missile. Because we want you to get that sense that it's a welcome home. But we're open. And what we mean by that is that we receive people exactly where they are in their journey. You see, one of the difficulties when I used to go, where I used to go to church, or in the churches I used to go to, is if it was everybody was, let's use it, Caucasian middle class, white middle class, right? Now remember, I come from North London, I come from Finsbury Park, which is culturally quite diverse. And not far from the Arsenal Stadium. But the point being here is this, that when I came, we moved to Luton, it was different. It wasn't as culturally diverse. So the fact is this, that we receive people exactly where they're at. And the church I used to go to is everybody looked clean and looked good and their marriages were perfect and everybody was, everybody was, 
Yeah? And, and how are you getting on? Fine. Great. Would you like to pray? No, thank you. Have more cake. But when people, we've actually set it up so you can come here and if someone's out there lighting up their, their cigarette, we're not judging them because the church I used to go to it would be like, what? You would never do this thing. I remember I came here and there was someone in the band and saw them up the top here. Then they're out there lighting up. Now, where I come from, that was like, duh, duh, duh. need to run. Pastor, the guy that was playing on the drums, he was smoking outside. How can you have this person in, in your church in, on, up front? You know, he needs to be a holy man of God, 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 God. Now, I know none of you ever thought like that, but that's how people used to think. So, when we say open and people come here and they, look, they don't look like us, they've got tattoos everywhere and they're out there and you don't know what they've been on and their eyes are like 10 pence pieces, but they're here. Some of you know what I'm talking about, some of you you don't know, you, you missed that. The fact is, we receive you as you are. But as Richard was saying in a sermon a couple of weeks back, we don't want you to stay as you are, but we receive you. You can come as you are. We accept you. We like to say to you, oh, welcome home. We're non-judgmental. Now do we get it right all the time? No, because we're human. But the fact is we, we purposely and consciously seek not to be judgmental. We don't judge you on the basis of the, of the jib of your suit or the cut of your tie or the cut of your shirt. We don't look at that stuff. We receive you. We're friendly and we're relational. We want to connect with you. We want to get past knowing your name. In fact, it's, easy. it's always good to remember people's names. I work hard at that. Very powerful. We're caring and we're loving. So, you know, you come and you find that the place is safe. So you start to share your stuff. And by the way, I'll say this as, as someone as a pastor and all that stuff. Sometimes people share your stuff with you and they want you to respond the way they would like you to respond and you don't. Which sometimes means you get beaten. But that's all part of it. Because what happens, they come with their stuff and you think, whoa. And they're like, Hurrah, you didn't respond the way I wanted you to. So just accept that, that's part of it. But the fact is we love people and we receive them because that's part of what the community does. And we're outward looking. You see, a lot of stuff that goes on here is to help people journey through their stuff. And we've all got stuff. Some of us have got lots of stuff. Others have got, most of us have got lots of stuff. That's the truth. And we're all journeying through it. And what we're learning to do as a community is to be loving with each other and not judgmental when we don't respond the way that we should. But ultimately, everything that God is doing in us is so that we can do it to others. And particularly to the people who are outside of the this community because you will find out as I do through the role that I'm in and let me just say by way of parenthesis I spent at least 95% of my time working as a, either teacher or working in business before I became a chaplain where I'm working with people and because I've got the badge they expect me to be able to do that but the reality is I was out there just like you and here's the point the fact is that much of what you've received in here is so that you can pass it on to others you said what do you mean well look where you live is not an accident. You might think that at times, but it's not. The people you live next door to, God has put you there for a purpose. And instead of you just go to work, 
Come home, head through the door, have your dinner, watch these enders, go to bed, get up, and do the same. Now the summer's coming, you will see people that you have not seen before. Because it was dark when you left and it was night when you came back. So maybe it might be an opportunity for you just to say hello. Just to stop. And what you'll find is that when you begin to experience more of God's love, people start to talk to you. And you think, oh, is it my face? No, it's not your face. It's the love that you've been receiving that they sense. And they sense that you're a safe person. And you start to sh- they start to share their stuff with you. So everything you experience here is so that you can reach out to others. And over all of these virtues, put on love, this is what Colossians says, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let me summarize this. God calls us as a community to reach out in love to all sections of our community with his love and continue to welcome all those who are looking for Jesus wherever they are in their walk with Jesus. Our second point. A love that serves. John 13, 14 says this. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Matthew, Mark 3, 35 said, Jesus said, I did not come to serve, but to, not, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. Love is always demonstrated in a way we serve one another, and we're great at that in this community. Love is also demonstrated in the way when we look out for others, for others' own interests, not our own. Now, hmm, I kind of mentioned it already. God puts you where you are, not just to serve yourself, but to serve others. So when you're going about your stuff, Look out for others. Richard recounts a story a couple of weeks ago when God started to touch his heart and this lady came and he, you know, and he chased after her in the right way and asked her for prayer, asked if she'd like to be prayed for, and she did, and it was great. Now, I'm not saying all of you have to do that, but friends, we can serve people. Just by listening to them, you're serving them. When I go to the hostel over at Wellington Garden City, which is my, my want to do, most of the people in there, their issues are relational issues not drug issues. This is what happens. They were married or they were living with someone and the relationship broke down because they found out the person was having an affair with someone else and the whole thing kind of broke up and then what happened is they thought they couldn't leave, stay and they lost their job and they couldn't pay the mortgage the mortgage so that they couldn't keep the house set out. That's the story, time and time and time again. And maybe for, for 15, 20 years they were doing what we all do. Those are the people in there, not what you think, you know, the, the down and outs and the drugs. No! They're just people like you. And some of them are young. And some of them are old. And some are in between. Now, God calls us to serve them. Now, you may not meet most of those people because you don't go to the hostel. But you can serve the people next door to you. You know, Jesus, it said that 
you should have this same attitude of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, this is Philippians 2, 1, 5, 5 did not consider equality with God something to be grasped about. He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of the servant, being made in the light and human likeness. So in other words, God contracted to the span. God, Jesus Christ, steps out of all of that and comes down and becomes a human being just like you and me and experiences all the pain, all the suffering, all the tiredness, all the weariness, so that what? He could bring us back to himself. So let me put it to you another way. If Jesus could do that for us, what would it take for you just to listen to your neighbor for five minutes instead of you busy going off to change the world, the world, the world? This is love which is outward looking. A person who is willing to be available to God to speak a word or say a prayer or just listen. That's being salt and light in your community. Last point. A love that never fails. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8. Now, this is read at many weddings. And I usually always say to the, the couple, the way that you feel today, you will not always feel. She is beautiful and radiant and gorgeous. He is handsome and proud. And you look at each other and there's passion in your eyes. But as you get into a relationship, there'll be times when you need to choose to love. I'll develop that a little later. Let me just read this to you now. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is, it is not proud, it is not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. It keeps, record of, keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in what? Truth. It always protects, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, that is a different type of love to or eros, or even to filio, or even, which is what we call brotherly love, stego, which is family love. This is the love of choice. And that's why I say to the married couple, you're going to have to choose to love her sometimes. And you're going to have to choose to love him sometimes when he irritates the eebie-jeebies out of you. And when, anyway, I won't go there. Other than, <laughs> I know, I just laugh, you know. As you go on in married life, you know, those of us who like football, and I like football, you know, and it usually comes on at 10.30, and even though we've seen the match in the middle of the day, my wife will say something like, darling, are you coming to bed or should I get a hot water bottle? <laughs> No, I'm coming up a little later, darling. <laughs> yeah, you didn't say that right. You didn't say that to us when we were first married. No, don't even go there. Right, I think you've got the point. <laughs> I don't know why I said that, but it's, I'm sure it was good. <laughs> okay. the, the choice would be to leave the football and go upstairs. That's the choice. Some of us men are faced with this many nights. But here you are. Right, well, here's the key point. A love that never fails to defend the absent. This is an important point, really, because I share it to my own uh, detriment, in a sense. But my wife and I, we used to go to New Wine. I think some of us, you know, many of us used to go as our kids were growing up and we'd go. And we inevitably, we would rent a caravan. And my wife was a very organized person. 
So when we get there, the caravan is not there. This is a point of great friction for us. Because Eileen is asking me the question, where is the caravan? And I'm always sent to say, am I God to know? He's supposed to be here. So it's tension building, building, building. Anyway, finally we get the caravan. But I'm talking to, after the, 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 the drama of that, I'm talking the next day to some of the folk that was with us. So I'm having a moan, basically. I said, I don't know what's wrong with that. You know, blah, blah, blah. and the bloke stopped me. He said, stop. I said, it's not fair. I said, why? She's not here to defend herself. Shame. And here's the point, folks, you know, <laughs> defending the absent, the people who are not there to defend themselves. How many times you've been in conversations, maybe at work, where they're slagging off another member of the team, and that member of the team is not there to defend themselves? Integrity says, no, stop. They're not here to defend themselves. Love does that. Defends the absent. A love that never fails to defend the weak. It's easy to defend the strong. It's easy to speak disparagingly of people who are weak. But love calls us to defend them. A love that never fails to minister God's mercy. There are times when we are right. You've had those relationships where you know that you're right and you want to win. But mercy, love doesn't do that. Love's not interested in winning. It's interested in giving people mercy. Remember that whoever it is that you're wanting to beat, they're of like passions of yourself. A love that never fails to minister God's compassion. And friends, the more you experience God's compassion, the easier it is to minister to other people. A love that never fails to give God's comfort. And these, each one of these are directly proportional to the amount of love, comfort, and mercy that you have received. A love that never fails to forgive, a love that never fails to be generous, a love that never fails to minister God's healing. Here's the prayer that I would have for you that Paul had for us. He prayed, he said, look, I pray that you might be able to know the height and the breadth, breadth and the depth of God's love in Christ Jesus. Why did he pray that? Because you see, friends, when you experience God's love and it begins to fill your heart, then it causes you to want to give that love away. And what the community out there connects with is love in you and me. And the more of God's love that we know in, his, in our hearts, when you, this is how it works, friends. You come into a place of worship. You've had a terrible week. You've argued if you're married with your husband or you've had a terrible time with the boss or you're failing financially. You feel condemned. You come into the presence of God. You start to worship as we were doing this morning, wonderfully led by Henry and the team. You begin to break through the fact that you don't deserve it. And you begin to, as you break through, you experience God's love. And you find he's loving you not on the basis of your performance, but on the basis of who you are, his son and his daughter. And he loves on you and you start to have tears in your eyes and you begin to experience his comfort and his mercy and his goodness and his love in your heart and you are changed and then the Spirit of God begins to amplify that in you. And you, you go out of here changed. 
And as you go out into the community, now that love that you've experienced, that compassion that you experienced, you begin to see things as God sees things. And you see that couple across the road there, and somehow you just know that they're struggling. And you make yourself available to God, and they come up to you, and they speak to you. And it's a moment of truth, because at that moment, God can make you a conduit to what? Demonstrate his love and his mercy to them as you pray for them, and as you listen to them. That's how it works, friends. Does this make sense? That's how it works. So when you come in here and you're worshipping God, he pours his love and his mercy into you. He holds you on the basis of the fact that you're my son, you're my daughter, I love you. And as you experience that love and mercy, you go out into the community and you're able to be a conduit through which God's love and mercy can flow to your next door neighbour. That's what it's about. Game over. That's what it's about. Everything that's happening in here is so that you can be God to those people and his love can flow through you. We believe at the vineyard that the goal of our faith is love. We want to know God's love, to learn how to share that love with one another and to demonstrate it in the way we live our lives to our family our friends, and to those we meet on our way. You know where that comes from? That's from Essentials 101. So what we're talking about here isn't something that we thought up. It's deep within the DNA of this church. Therefore, we are called as a community to demonstrate a love that's inclusive. If the band could come up. Just as God loves you, he wants to love others through you. And he wants to love the people who are not lovable through you. Because he's inclusive. A love that serves, that many of us have been served here, we've been ministered to, we've been helped through our stuff. And the whole purpose of that is so that we can go out and not just serve one another, which we're good at, but serve the wider community. You know, there are going to be people out there who are going to be worried about how they're going to pay their mortgage now the mortgage rate's gone up. There are going to be people out there that are going to be stressed or worried over their relationship with their husband or wife or over their kids that are misgrinned. And God may want to use you or use us to just minister hope to those people who are in despair. To just be light to those people who feel they're in darkness. And you don't have to be, quote, have a title. You know, you don't have to be a chaplain or a minister. You are God's minister there. You have authority. You've been given permission because of who you are and what you are to go and minister in his name. And you don't have to minister a sermon. It can be just a word. And as we're going to find out in a series of a few later, coming in the next few weeks, the Lord's going to give you little gracelets, words of wisdom, words of knowledge that you can pray over people that will bring release to them in the name of Jesus. You can pray for them and use the model we've been using. And it doesn't have to be a big deal. Tell you a little story. Walks into Hatfield space, wasn't feeling particularly great. 
went in there, did the meeting. As I'm coming out, one of the guys that works in the, in the Hatfields kind of store, furniture store, comes in. I said, Mick, how are you doing? He says, oh, I've got real sciatic pain. So I hear the Lord just say, pray for him. I said, Lord, I don't feel like this. <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyway. So anyway, did the model. So where is the pain? He takes his hand and puts the pan there. In the name of Jesus, we speak to the sciatica. I said, how are you feeling? Ten, on the scale, one to, you know, one to ten. He goes, hmm, about four. Pray again. He says, ten, which he meant no, gone. And I went about my way and went on my way and did whatever. I'll come back to him. The guy's healed. In fact, he was at the sleep easy last night. You can do that too. And it's nothing to do with how you feel or how super spiritual you are, whether you've read your Bible or have your, your, your quiet time. The issue is, are you available? Please stand. So serve your community. And then a love that never fails. Never give up on people. God has a plan for every person that you meet just as he has a plan for you. <laughs> Father, we just bless you. Yeah? For your goodness and your graciousness. Yeah, bless you. Father, thank you that you've called us as your community to reach out with love and mercy. To reach out with your heart of compassion. For those out there who are suffering, for those out there who have hope, lost, have lost hope. Thank you, Lord. Your word says that you, you came to bind up the brokenhearted. You came to proclaim liberty to those who are captives and to give a garland of praise for those who have a spirit of heaviness. And we thank you that you, the God of love, sent your son for us and oh Lord how you have loved us sending your son Jesus in the fullness of time for us while we were enemies this Jesus who poured out his life for us on that cross and expressed and demonstrated your love in you Lord giving your best your son and Lord, what we ask you is that as a community, you will help us to live the love to our friends, to our neighbors, to be available for you, Lord, just to nudge us, to pray, not just to stop, not just to focus our attention on those who you gave your life for. Send your spirit, Lord. So that love that we know in our heads may be shed abroad in our hearts by your Holy Spirit. Amen.